Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the Watt. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Simsisms pleaded his team. Hey, that was an honor that day to be on the field with a guy like Tom Brady and watch him work his magic and the way he leaded his team and, and everything about it. And did you say the way he leaded his team? Did you really say I think I did. I think I did. Yes, I did. I'm pretty sure I did. <laughs> Simsisms. Another entry. We're going to need a bigger book. Another entry into the Simsisms. We, we, I hope we're keeping track of all of these. I don't know how many we're up oh, to. Oh, they are. Be, don't you worry. I'd say the, I'd say the over/under is thirty-seven right now, thirty-seven point five. But uh, leaded his team, and I, 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 the thing that that I like the most is when you get called out on it, you don't get mad. You just laugh about it. That's the best way to do it. That disarms the moment. I mean, there are there are some people who would, oh, I didn't say that. Uh, yeah, you did. Or no, it's actually correct. Uh, no, it's not. So I, I appreciate that. I respect hey, that. Thanks, and, man. Uh, it, hey, it, as it much makes, as we talk, it... <laughs> we're not going to be perfect, right? I mean, they're not, and I'm certainly not smart enough to be perfect, whether there's a microphone in front of me or not. I, uh, I struggle with saying things the correct way at times, as you could tell. And I do feel like I've hit a, a level of dumber uh, or a deeper level of dumber than usual ever since I've been at the house during COVID-19. I don't know what it is. Without the professionalism of our studio, you agree, right? I don't know. I yeah. miss the mic. I'm afraid to talk sometimes because, you know, the back and forth isn't as quick as it is when I'm in the studio at NBC Sports, and it's led me to do more dumb things. And, uh, I mean, I feel like I'm uh, deep thoughts by Jack Handy. Remember that on Saturday Night Live back in the day? That's what I'm becoming here. <laughs> no, it's good. It's good. And, uh, and the thing is, I think all people are really looking for is authentic. The days of the, of the uh, forced radio voice and getting everything absolutely perfect, those are done. People just want real. They don't want phony. And I don't think anybody can accuse us of being phony. We are who we are. And uh, take it or leave it, but hopefully you'll take it. All right, we're taking some of your questions in this segment here on this 
Wednesday edition of PFT Live. We put out the call. The questions have been screened. And let's begin with Brian Byrne, who goes by the Twitter handle at Brian Burnsy. Come on, man. Stidham over Tua. Fourth round pick who's thrown two passes for a pick six. You just know Tua's popularity is through the roof. And you did this for clickbait. Be better. I love it when they accuse us of clickbait where there's nothing to click. What's what's there to click? It's not clickbait. I don't know either. It's, it's I a don't fact. know either. No, you know, and hey, listen, at Brian Bernsey, I, I appreciate the thought, you know, and again, I hate that clickbait crap. I do. I don't give a damn about whether you click on it or not, Brian Bernsey, okay? You know, I don't. I'm doing this because this is what I love to do, and this is what I believe, and this is where my studies and you know, with all the great people I've been fortunate to learn from and be around and all those things, that's where I've come up with this assessment. And I don't give a damn that the NFL got it wrong and drafted Jared Sidham in the fourth round. That doesn't matter. He was a first round pick that a lot of idiots in the football fell for the old, whoa, the team wasn't good. The quarterback must have not been good. You know, if you put Tua on that Auburn team that Jared Sidham played with that last year in Auburn, Um, Tua probably would have been relegated to the fourth round as well. You know, so Jared Stidham is plan A for the New England Patriots. They like what they see. They know he is starting quarterback material. And, Mike, I don't know if you know anybody in New England, if you've heard those same thoughts, but uh, I'm a big fan of Jared Stidham, and I think he's going to be the quarterback, and we'll still be talking about him for the New England Patriots five years from now. My opinion in that regard has been gleaned from the things that players have said publicly by the circumstances. The circumstantial evidence is strong. Bill Belichick knows a thing or two about football. Josh McDaniels knows a thing or two about offense. They wouldn't have drafted him. They wouldn't have groomed him. They wouldn't have essentially shrugged their shoulders when Tom Brady was packing up his stuff and leaving Boston if they didn't believe that they had something in Jared Stidham. And those six Super Bowls that the Patriots have won – over the course of the past 20 years, would tend to, I think, at least by a sliver of doubt for Bill Belichick as we wait to see what Stidham has. And with Tua, there's the question of, is he damaged goods? Is he going to be able to hold up at the NFL level? I think that's part of the the evaluation as well. Plenty of others, though, have chimed in, taking issue with your decision to put Stidham ahead of Tua. That's been a common theme, and and, and we'll see. And, And another thing I like about you, if you're ultimately wrong, you'll say so. I you know, will. It, I'm you, not, you, you're not. Yeah. You're not going to defend it and say I really was right. If it's proven that you're wrong, you you admit you're wrong, and and that's no, good. I, that's refreshing. Yeah. Not enough people do that either. Well, it's not a right or wrong business. You're not always going to be just like oh, plain as day, right or wrong. You know, no. It's it's an evaluation. It's projections. There's a lot of things that go into it. There's so many moving parts, and you know, again, like I just said, you know, I, hey, listen, I think my credentials are pretty good in the in this area. Uh, but at the same time, do I think that everything I say or do goes in, you know, the Holy Grail and written in stone? No, absolutely not. You know, you're going to mess up in this business. If Bill Belichick can mess up a draft pick, then damn Chris Sims can mess up a draft evaluation or a quarterback ranking. I, I know that it's, it's just not a perfect business that way. Andy, who goes by the Twitter handle at Tape Merchant would like to know the answer to this question. Do you think Tyrod Taylor, the Chargers quarterback this year, has a shot of winning comeback player of the year? Chris, what do you think? Yeah, well, you know, what what do you think? I I think there's a real good chance. I do. You know, I just think with, you know, again, as we know, with these type of awards, it's about, yes, you have to have some good stats, 
But then it has to be the team is playing well in a high level, too, to justify, hey, this guy was a comeback player and it helped his team out and do all those things. And I think the Chargers have an appropriate support system to make that happen for Tyrod Taylor. You know, when you go from, you know, what were they last year, 5-11, and 11, and then all of a sudden you're back in the playoff conversation and you're the quarterback, you have a good chance to win that award. Here's the thing about Comeback Player of the Year, and, and this applies to MVP, you know, some of these other awards that are given out every year by the AP. There really isn't a lot of definition as to what it means. What are you coming back from? Are yeah, you coming right, back from right. injury? Are you coming back from being benched? Ryan Tannehill came back from not being very good. Right. I mean, Matthew Stafford won comeback player of the year. I think in 2011, it's like he was never here. What's he coming (laughs) back to? He never did anything. He has one good year and he's comeback player of the year. So it's a very vague and amorphous category, but he would fit within the confines of comeback player of the year. If he comes out and has a huge season, he's got to have a huge season. He's got to lead the chargers to the postseason. I mean, just like Ryan Tannehill did last year, it's got to be a surprise. It's got to be the kind of thing that gets our attention and says, wow, Tyrod Taylor, even though he was never a great quarterback, right? He took a team to the playoffs. He's 20, right. what, 26, 23 and one as a starter. So yeah, I think that if, if he would lead the chargers to a postseason appearance, have 4,000 passing yards, uh, they go, you know, 11 and 5, 10 and 6. Yeah, he'd be one of the candidates for comeback player of the year. Now, you don't determine that in a vacuum because we don't know who else out there coming back, like a Ben Roethlisberger. If the Steelers go 12 and 4 and win the division, he'll probably be comeback player of the year. But uh, it, it all depends on who else is in the mix. But I think that Tyrod Taylor, if he plays well and the Chargers win games, will be in the mix, Chris. Yeah, I, I do too. I do. You know, the, the defense is good. We know that. I think they've made the appropriate you know, fixes to the offense. They've improved that offensive line. There is some good receivers. They got Hunter Henry. Hopefully he can stay healthy. And yeah, when you look at all those angles and then Tyrod Taylor, who's a guy who is not known to take a lot of chances or be careless with the football. So he's not going to lose games for the Chargers that way. Yeah, I, I, I do. I think he's one of those guys that I would put a little mark next to to say, watch out for this guy. He could be a, a comeback player of the year candidate. All right, next question comes from Brad Smith, I assume this is not the same Brad Smith we mentioned just within the past half hour catching the touchdown pass from Ryan Fitzpatrick while playing for the Jets. It would be one hell of a coincidence if it is. At Brad versus all, would you rather have Christian McCaffrey at his current contract or Odell Beckham Jr. at his current contract? Chris, I I, know, I already know the answer. Well, so you're going to take Odell Beckham Jr. I always take Odell Beckham right? Jr., don't I? If exactly. it's positive or something exactly. like that, yes. But but I do think, like, it legitimately I would here, even as a, you know, I know I'm fanboy of OBJ. That's my guy. And, yes, I root for him. I like Christian McCaffrey a whole lot, too. But I think, too, the other thing that you have to play into this this question or the answer is, you know, Odell Beckham Jr., the current status of his contract, I mean, a lot of the big money's been paid. So, you know, there's more wiggle room By someone room else. Well, you're it right. paid by, by the Giants. Else. So I think just from that standpoint alone, I'd rather have OBJ at his contract at this point with instead of a running back who's just starting a big money contract. And we know how brutal that position is and everything like that. So I think legitimately I would take OBJ here, even though it's close. What do you think? Average salary under the McCaffrey deal is 16 million. Average under the Beckham deal is 18. Now, look, you're right. The big money's already been paid out. and It was paid out by the Giants. Um, it's a tough Christian one. McCaffrey. Well, it, well but, but look, ha, I, here, here's one argument. 
Christian McCaffrey yeah. touches the ball more frequently than Odell Beckham Jr. Definitely. He's a running back. He's a receiver. He's an all-around weapon, right? So right. he has. You could argue he's got more intrinsic value to your team that way. But a great receiver affects the offense, even if he's not touching the football, no because doubt he opens up it. the offense for everybody else. So right. that's the that's the response to that. It doesn't matter if Odell Beckham Jr. isn't getting thirty touches a game, and what receiver is ever going to get that? but his presence allows the running back, allows Nick Chubb to be Nick Chubb in Cleveland. Whereas if you didn't have Christian McCaffrey and you had Otto Beckham Jr., maybe you could draft a guy who comes in and you're paying him peanuts who can have a hell of an impact because you've got double coverage all the time on OBJ. So uh, I hate to do yeah. it. I'm going to agree with I think with it's you. OBJ too. Say I, I know. I'd, if I can, and now I got him at four more years. But I got 14 million, 14.5, and here's the thing: at some point in the course of the next four years, he's going to want to raise. You have to factor that yeah. into it as well. I that's, think that's he probably true. already right. does. But uh, I, I think that the impact of his presence, um, it it outweighs the the difference between what McCaffrey does and what the next man up would do for a hell of a lot less money, if that makes any I, sense at all. No, no, I, I think it does. It makes a whole lot of sense. Also, you know, you could play the angle, too, that, you know, when you get to this point of the career with guys that are running back and a receiver, we see that, you know, more times than not, the receivers play at a higher level for a longer time than the running backs. The running backs tend to fall off you know, year four, five, six, where all of a sudden we see a slippage and explosion and some of the things they can do physically. But the big thing, Mike, is is what you're talking about. I mean, it's very real. It really jumped out to me last year in Cleveland, even when he wasn't 100%. You know, teams show him so much attention, and there's always two people over him. And he could be running a five-yard shallow cross route, and there's two guys chasing after him, and it opens up everybody else and helps the run game, and helps Jarvis Landry, the tight ends, all of that. So, uh, you know, I'm expecting a big year from Odell, as we know, because I think last year was a little lackluster for, for his standards. But uh, I agree with you. I, you know, it's a big effect on the team. He'd be one of those guys I'd love to show fans what he really does on film and how it affects the whole offense and the overall game itself. Now we should do that sometime. We, we've yeah. got we've got time. We've got opportunities. You're Maybe right. that's something we do to 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 illustrate the impact of a great receiver on the rest of an offense because it is very real. And I think that's what tipped the scales for me. All right, one more real quickly at Br Adams. What will the NFL do if a player tests positive for the coronavirus? Obviously, the day after playing in a game. Let me try this one first. I, yeah, I think you what go happens first. The player gets the player gets quarantined. And it's not like you need to do contact tracing because everybody's going to be getting tested all the time anyway. Contact tracing is relevant where you're otherwise not going to be tested. You're going about your life. But I think with every player being tested every day, and I think they need to be tested on the way into the facility and on the way out of the facility. Players, coaches, everyone who's in that Petri dish that is the NFL locker room needs to be tested every day, arguably twice per day. You, the guy's positive the day after playing in a game. He's shut down for however long they agree. Players are going to be shut down once they test positive, period. And well, that's part well, of what the NFL and the NFL Players Association need to work out. That's that's exactly it. I mean, they do. I mean, what what happens if that happens and then we find out, you know, three days later that, you know, half the team that they just played also test positive and, you know, the guy uh, on Team A that was the original positive test how half his team test positive. See, these are things, too, that this is where the NFL and NFLPA got to start talking this out right now. They got to get it going. They got to understand or, you know, 
Will NFL players just basically say, well, we don't care that there's coronavirus in the locker room. Let's just keep playing. The hell with it. I think you might get more positive answers that way than people realize. But we don't know. And I just I that that's where I keep stressing this over the last two weeks. I would hope some of these conversations are happening behind the scenes right now, uh, because uh, this is what I do fear, that we play three weeks of football and all of a sudden two guys in the league get it. And we find out on a Monday morning and all of a sudden two teams are devastated and have the COVID-19 virus, and then where do we go? Do we cancel the league or cancel a few weeks of games? I don't know. And, and again, that's why it's a deep subject. Now, and, and you're absolutely right. We don't know how this is going to play out. They don't know how it's going to play out. But the reality is, if there's a guy who makes his way into a locker room, onto a practice field, or onto a game site, and is positive, and he's shedding virus, as the experts say, it's going to get around. And others yeah. are going to have it. And others are going to test positive. And how, how many extra guys are you going to need on the roster? I mean, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Uh, the solution may just be shut down everyone who's positive and go out and, and sign as many players as you need to sign. They're going to need some sort of a short-term IR designation where you come and go. Uh, you're, you're on the coronavirus list for two weeks and good point, Mike. your roster spot is open right. and it's going to be, look, if they were willing in the 1987 strike to go out and find replacement players for three weeks to keep the games going, they will do it. If players are unable to play because they're positive for the coronavirus, they'll be down and someone else steps up and it's going to take more, I think, than just 10 guys on the practice squad. You're going to have to have other guys in reserve ready to go at a moment's notice to come in and play in the event, like you said, half the team ends up testing positive out of the blue. Yeah, that's, and you know, that's, that's tough. Yeah. I don't, you know, those are things I look at right now and you just go, man, I mean, yeah, this is quite the contingency plan that you're going to have to worry about. And yeah, maybe they're going to have to expand the, the practice squad this year and the rosters a little bit because of that. To where, yeah, you got to have a, a little more extra, you know, some extra guys to come off the bench and help the team out. Because the other thing, too, Mike, that I would be scared of, if you just, like, start signing guys off the street on a Wednesday or Thursday afternoon, and uh, now they got to play in a game on Sunday, one, I'm worried about their health and safety because they're not going to be in football shape and ready to go. And then, two, I'm also going to be worried about the other guys that got to play with this guy because – because he's not going to be in football shape and the, the legs and knees might be wobbly and he might get tired and he's not used to getting knocked around from all different angles, he can end up hurting somebody else too. So that's, that's a real worry. And, uh, again, I think these are, other, these are points that the, the NFL and the NFLPA, I, would, I, would, I just want to hear more dialogue or more about it, and I don't hear anything, and that scares me a little. Last thing on this for now, we may discuss it at PFTOT. Look at what the XFL did during their short run, they had a ninth team of guys who were constantly kept in game shape and available to be called up at a moment's notice. Maybe they need to have teams that aren't playing but practicing and ready to go, and you just cherry-pick guys off of those teams Maybe. as needed based upon who tests positive. All right. Hey, Brian Bernsey, if you thought Stidham over Tua was clickbait, you're going to love number 27 on the Chris Sims quarterback countdown. Clickbait coming! <laughs> On PFT Live right after this.
Well, the Red Rifle's now wearing a blue star on his helmet when he finally does wear a helmet for the Dallas Cowboys. And there he is, number 27 on the Chris Sims Top 40 Quarterback Countdown. Have you lost your mind, Chris? Have you lost your mind entirely to have Andy Dalton at number two? I'm just, I'm, that's the reaction that you're probably getting. <laughs> yeah. I understand yeah. why you have it, number 27. Uh, and, uh, you know, it gives the Cowboys a viable veteran presence behind Dak Prescott in the event he gets injured. Or, who knows, maybe he holds out into the season to get the contract that he's been trying to get. Although, after July 15, they can't give him the contract he's been trying to get until next year. Well, yeah. I mean, if he does hold out, the Cowboys will be they'll be in good company. Andy Dalton will be able to hold down the fort. There's no doubt about that. You know, right now he sits there, at least in, in my rankings, and I go, yes, he's the best backup in football. There's no doubt about that in my mind. You know, and again, I think he's underappreciated as a starting quarterback, too. I understand Cincinnati wanting to move on. I get that. Definitely. You know, it kind of run its course. They needed some fresh blood, some new energy to kind of be the face of the franchise and and see if they can't freshen uh, freshen it up that way a little bit. But, you know, with Andy Dalton, the big thing is, and my big statement with him would be this, there is no weakness to Andy Dalton's game. That's the thing I like about him more than anything. When you turn on film and break him down, you go, man, he, he checks the box in just about every category. Now, where you don't love him and necessarily want him to be your starting quarterback is, okay, and why people maybe sometimes underappreciate him or look, you know, on the other, the other lawn and go, wow, the grass is greener over there. He's not the type of guy that's going to make a lot of wow plays. You're not going to go, oh, my gosh, did you see that rifle Andy Dalton threw? Or what a play he made scrambling around and throwing a 40-yard laser down the field. No, he's not going to do that. So when your team is lacking, he's not the type of personality or player that's going to go, hey, guys, jump on my shoulders. It's a bad day, but I got you. I'm talented enough to make that happen. You know, I think that's the big thing with Andy Dalton, and I think that's probably why the Bengals moved on, but still can win you football games and can lead your team into the playoffs, and I think he can win you playoff games too if need be and the right support systems around him. And, look, we've debated and discussed and dismissed the idea that wins are a quarterback stat, but here's the reality. Andy Dalton, his first five seasons in the NFL, his team went to the playoffs. Dak Prescott has been in the NFL four years, his team did not go to the playoffs every year, and most notably in his contract year, the most important year for him financially, the team was 8-8. Eight and eight. The team blew their shot at winning the weakest division last year and possibly this year in football and making it to the postseason and hosting a postseason game. So, uh, look, Dalton, I we were talking about this during the break, Chris, and I want to get your thoughts about this here. Dalton is kind of like the NFL equivalent of the Jarrett Stidham Drew Locke dynamic where team is bad for a year or two, therefore quarterback must be bad also. Right. Stidham and Locke slide down the draft board. Andy Dalton slides down at least the fans' estimation of how good of a quarterback right. he is, when in reality you put him on a better team and he's going to be better. I agreed. Agreed. This is this, you know, this is where it was a tough placement. He is because I uh, 100% agree with that statement. And, you know, for all those people out there who, you know, say those type of things about Andy Dalton too, you know, again, how successful do you think he could have been this last year? I mean, the Bengals, one of the worst offensive lines in football, you know, I don't even know what the statistics say. I just, I know I'm, I watch a lot of football and watch film to know I would guarantee that they're in the bottom five to seven in football with offensive line play. 
A.J. Green didn't play. John Ross has hurt every other second of his football life to this point. So, you know, Tyler Boyd was the really only go-to target Andy Dalton had. Uh, so that is not always when you don't have a good offensive line, nobody to scare anybody in the pass game, you're not necessarily going to look like the greatest quarterback all the time. You know, and that's, that's the big thing. Now, you know, if I was going to bring up one other negative about Andy Dalton, right, you know, again, accurate, pretty good athlete, you know, throws a really catchable, pretty spiral football that, that's easy to catch and run with. Um, but here's one that bothers me a little bit about him, and maybe he would have been a little higher on this list if he had this about him. There is no edge to Andy Dalton, right? You know, I think he is a better player than Ryan Fitzpatrick, but I think the gap is closer than what we talk about as far as when it comes to being a quarterback of your football team because one of my big issues with Andy Dalton is, you know, the team's not playing good. He's throwing interceptions. There's never, you know, leadership or, you know, being, being mad and yelling on the sidelines or telling the offensive line they got to play better or any of that. You know, there is no infectious emotion that comes out of him. And that's part of being a quarterback, too. You know, and, and that's one thing that bothers me. And I think that's probably a reason Cincinnati moved on, too, because they just went, OK, the player's good but he's not good enough to overcome the fact that he's not really bringing anything else to our football team. And that's what great quarterbacks do. Listen, the quiet ones usually that last a long time, they can afford to be quiet because they continue to deliver in the clutch. And that's enough where the team just goes, Hey, hey he's quiet. Nothing bothers him. He's cool and as calm as it could be. And that's the way he is like an Eli Manning, right? That, that's kind of how I would explain him. But when you're not winning those games in the clutch and you're the quiet guy, then people in the organization start to go, well, what is he really bringing to us on a week-to-week basis? He's not livening up the practice. He's not holding people accountable on Sunday and all those things. And, you know, long story short, sorry for blabbering. I think that's one of the issues he's been relegated to being a backup right now. Here's a question that we posed to Big Cat a couple of weeks ago in the context of the Packers choosing Jordan Love in the first round of the draft. Is it more likely that Andy Dalton will be the week one starter for the Cowboys in 2020 or that Jordan Love will be the week one starter for the Packers in 2021? What's your thought? Oh, wow. Um, if you made me pick one, man, because I, I, don't, I think Dak is going to be there and Dak will be ready to play. I, I just I have no doubt about that. I'm not so sure if I – I have some doubt whether Aaron Rodgers will be the quarterback of the Green Bay Packers in 2021. I do. I have a little bit. There's just a little bit that creeps in there. I Unlikely, but I guess I would say Jordan Love. Uh, I guess that would be the one I'd pick, Mike, if you're going to make me choose between the two. Well, I, and I agree with you. I think that, that at some point during or after this season, the Packers and Aaron Rodgers are going to come to the realization that given everything that transpired with the Jordan Love – selection and and everything that is still to come I think it's going to be time for a fresh start where do you want Rodgers to play I know this is about Andy Dalton but if he leaves who would you want him to play for oh gosh I don't know that's a really good question um well I mean I I guess the 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 one I think about right off the bat okay just this is just selfish of me but like man I'd love to see him go with my buddy Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco if it didn't work out this year with Jimmy Garoppolo, something like that, I think in my heart of hearts, that would be the place. Like, wow, Rodgers gets to go home, play for the 49ers, gets to play for this great offensive mind that he's never kind of been around in his NFL career. You know, if it all lined up in Chris Sims' universe, that's how I'd want it to, to go down. 
Yeah, you know, it's it's fascinating as to what could ultimately transpire after this year. But as it relates to Dalton, there is a set of circumstances that would result in Dalton being the week one starter without Dak holding out. Think about this. No long-term deal gets done before July 15 between Dak Prescott and the Cowboys. It's possible it won't get done. That's the right. deadline. After that, it's a one-year contract. He still has the ability to stay away from training camp in the preseason at no financial sacrifice. The only risk he's taking is they rescind the franchise tender. They've already said we're not going to do it. He shows up a week before the first game of the season, the first regular season game, and Mike McCarthy decides, I'm going to go with the guy who's ready. I've, I've never even met Dak Prescott. Here he is walking through the door. I'm not going to make him the quarterback of this offense. No, Andy Dalton's right. ready to go. Yes. You know, almost like you know when the Vikings had to scramble to get Sam Bradford after Teddy Bridgewater's knee imploded, they didn't put Bradford out on the field right away. He just walked through the door. They went with Sean Hill. I could see right. the, the Cowboys go with Andy Dalton for a week while Dak Prescott gets up to speed. So it's not as crazy as it sounds. All right, no, let's do not. this. How... Uh, how many more wins do you think Dak Prescott is worth to these Dallas Cowboys than Andy Dalton? What's the gap? Oh, well, you know, hey, one or two games is a lot in the NFL. And I, 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 I put it around there. I would say, like, if you, you know, if I was Vegas, I'd be like, Dak Prescott is worth one and a half more wins than Andy Dalton is as a quarterback. You know, maybe it is closer to two. But, you know, again, I do think, uh, Dak Prescott brings something to a football team. It's the one thing I continue to hear. First off, being around Dak Prescott, I mean, it's a man's man. It's a leader. You know who the man is as soon as you walk in the room. That's what I love about him. And I know that's the things I've heard from Dallas Cowboy people too. That's why they love him. You know, I also think Dak Prescott, you know, is incredibly clutch, you know, in, in big moments. So I don't think he blinks an eye in those type of moments in a football game. And I've seen, you know, Again, seen him in some tough situations, whether it was the playoff game against the Rams where they weren't. He played phenomenal. He needed to, you know, carry the offense. He was capable of doing that. So, you know, I, I guess I would say like, you know, one or two wins. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think uh, two or three, two or three. But 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 really, the gap isn't as great as as people would think. Um, no, the gap is Andy never Dalton. as great with any of them. Right. I mean, nobody, you know, well, look at it this way. Put Dak right. Prescott on the Bengals for the last four years, and what would we think of Dak Prescott? Right. Right? Do that. It wouldn't Just be the same. Alternate universe. Alternate universe. Yeah. Dak Prescott for the last four years as a Bengal, and get back to me on how you would regard Prescott versus Dalton. All right, let's take a break. Yeah. Our draft, our Ryan Fitzpatrick went to Harvard draft, coming up next on Pro Football Talk. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.
Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. We talked earlier about Ryan Fitzpatrick, who comes in at number 28 on the Chris Sims Top 40 Quarterback Countdown. And uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, if you haven't heard, went to Harvard, and we we have fun with that from time to time. time. It's the modern-day Jerome Bettis is from Detroit. And and so today's draft is essentially all of those dumb narratives. The people forget that insert line type thing that we hear all the time. The things we keep having to deal with that just come up over and over and over again. That's the best way I can explain it. Just tired narratives that we get sick of dealing with, but also that make us smile a little bit. And the trivia question is this, Chris, very simple. Since Ryan Fitzpatrick, if you haven't heard, went to Harvard, true or false, no player from Harvard has been drafted before the fourth round. True or false? Oh, that's a really good one. Um, trying to think there. I feel like there was one player I'm missing, maybe. I'm going to say false. Uh, it is true. No player has been drafted before Man. the fourth round. Two players taken in round four, most, most recently Kyle Juszczyk, now Juszczyk. of the 49ers. And, and some of the guys who have play, who, who went to Harvard and made it to the NFL, Matt Burke, Cameron Brait, Desmond Bryant. Uh, remember Pat McNally, who was the punter for the sure. Bengals back in the seventies, a, a, a surprising number of guys. It's easy to find it online. There's a GoCrimson.com page that has all of them. A lot of guys have made it from Harvard to the NFL, including Ryan Fitzpatrick. All right, first one uh, for me. Um, man, there's a lot of different ones I can do. Uh, I'm going to go with X is a winner. Insert name is a winner. And it's typically a quarterback. Is a winner, right? He's a winner. No, his team wins. Now, I, I'm always hesitant to completely downplay the impact of quarterbacks on wins and losses because I do think that a quarterback can inspire the teammates to come together and perform at a higher level and that there are things about the quarterback that will enhance the possibility of winning the game. Sure, But saying a guy is a winner, it's a tired narrative. We get fined for it if we say it on the show. I'm hoping that I don't get fined for using it as the first pick in the draft. No, I, I, it would have been my number one pick. That's what it would have been. It, it is. It's a, it's a lazy take. He's a winner. You know, when people start that, you know, you know me, you've heard me say it a lot through the draft process. We, we've, we've crapped all over it with like the John Elway, Patrick Mahomes in college. They weren't winners. Oh, somehow they happened. I understand what people mean by saying it, but it just doesn't reflect the the proper thing there and and i can't cannot stand when people say it you know in in the draft process or something like that that's where you constantly hear it and sometimes you hear it from non-quarter about non-quarterbacks too which i also go what like okay so whatever it's a team sport it's the ultimate team sport but for some reason when we start talking about the team winning and losing 
We like to break it down to one player. And then when that conversation's over, we go, it's the ultimate team sport. So that makes no sense. All right. Um, I don't know. If, have you ever heard this? Tom Brady was drafted in the sixth round. He's got a chip <laughs> on his shoulder. Did you know that? He's got a chip on his shoulder. He's still angry about it. He's waking up every day. That's one like, you know, again, I, yes, we all know. Everybody on earth knows Tom Brady was the sixth round. But the thing about now. it is it's, it, he still I, does it's still 20 amazing. years later. Isn't that amazing? I know. I know. It is. It's still amazing. But I, I still feel like when we watch a telecast, that announcers talk about it like, hey, you might not have heard this yet, but Tom Brady was a sixth rounder and he still plays with that, you know. So I get sick of hearing that a little bit. I do, you know, and, and also my take on that is, you know, Brady was allowed to work out and train for the combine to maybe help himself in the draft to be higher than a six round draft pick. Now, obviously, people misevaluated and screwed it up, but. Uh, I don't know. It's just one of those where it just feel like nobody can talk about Tom Brady without bringing that subject up. Well, and and it, it is amazing that it is still at the forefront of his brain all these years later, and he uses it for motivation every single day, even though it happened 20 years ago. Next one for me, running backs don't get paid enough. You hear that from time to time. Oh, that running backs don't get paid enough. Oh, they don't get ma- They get paid exactly what the market bears because the supply – outweighs the demand every major college program generates every year a guy who can play running back effectively at the nfl level if you block for him if you teach him how to hold on to the football and if you trust him to pick up blitzers in pass protection he can make it at the nfl level there are so many guys out there goes to what we were talking about earlier odo beckham jr at his current contract christian mccaffrey at his you can find a replacement for mccaffrey cheaper younger not better, but the gap not so big right. to justify not embracing the possibility of going with a younger guy and just churning out a younger guy every three or four years and then move on to the next young guy at running back because there are so many of them. So running backs get paid exactly what they deserve. The ones who are great are in position to leverage more, and they should, but for the most part, the market reflects the reality that there are a lot of guys out there who play running back and play it well. And I remember Ben Tate, the former NFL running back, said at one point, if I had to do it all over again, I'd have been a defensive back. Yeah. No, well, you know, I'm glad you just said that because that's what I was just about to say. You know, I, I think we're already seeing a little change. You know, of course, a lot of these guys are running backs because they were the fastest, most explosive guys on their team growing up. So the coaches in little league football and peewee football, just, Hey, let's just toss it to that guy and let him run. Who cares if we block anybody? And then they end up staying at running back forever. But I do think we're starting to see guys who maybe were running backs going, you know what the hell with running back in high school. I want to play receiver and go to college as a receiver. And we're seeing more of those receivers and running back type bodies in the NFL. I think because of that, because of all the things you said, they're, they're, they're growing on trees it's a physically demanding position, so I'm with you. That was a good one. All right, here's another one. You know, we're going to go out there and give 110% today. 110%, not 100. This is our top line, but we're going to find more to just go 10% more, and it's going to be more than our best effort. It's going to be 110%. We have our best effort, but then we got this extra 10%. That makes it a you know, bestest effort, okay? The 110% effort. Uh, that one kills me too. And 
more times than not, I hear players and coaches say it, which is, you know, hilarious. Yeah, and it's ridiculous because by definition, whatever your absolute <laughs> best is, is 100%. Um, right. Next one for me. Uh, and, and this is a college football pet peeve. This is a college football tired narrative, and it drives me crazy every year when I see a college game. Inevitably, every game you watch, you will hear this phrase in relation to multiple players on the field. You'll see him on Sundays next year. Oh, you'll see him on Sunday next year. <laughs> next year, one. you'll see him on Sunday. You'll see him yes. on Sunday. Baloney, baloney. You'll never see him again. This is it. I feel bad. But but the, these guys who are college football analysts think that they can project which guys who are standing out in today's game are going to be definitely in the NFL next year. No. Now, I think it makes watching the game. Oh, let's watch this game. We got some future NFL players here. No, you don't. For the most part, you don't. At least it's not the guys that they're pointing out. Oh, you'll see him on Sundays next year. That just drives me crazy. It's one of the reasons why I, 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 I mean, I, I, I like college football when I have time to watch it. I'm usually traveling on Saturdays, but it drives me crazy. I want to throw my shoe into the TV every time I hear that. <laughs> well, you're right. I didn't think of that one. I didn't have that on my list, but you're, I mean, you watch a big college football game. You're right. You're going to hear it probably double digit times when it's all said and done about you'll see him on Sunday. So good one there. Um, Okay, I think the one I got to go with here is, you know, I love this when the announcer comes on and he's talking into his mic and he's going, you know, Team X is 47 and one when their running back runs for 100 yards. Right. That's the one that that drives me crazy, too, because I want to go, well, no crap. Team X is 47 and one when the running back runs for 100 yards because. Yes, Team X is whooping the crap out of Team Z. <laughs> and that's why he's running for 100 yards. So thank you. Yes, if it were that easy, or, or the rushing attempts one too. When, when Team X gives the ball to this running back 20-plus times in a game, they never lose. Yes, well, in those games, it's the same premises. They're dominating the line of scrimmage. They can keep giving the ball to the running back who gets six yards at a clip, and that's why they can give it to him plus 20 times because – it's very successful. So that's one that I just want to go, you know, what color is blue, too? It's just Captain Obvious statement there that drives me crazy at times. Or as the case may be, what color is purple? It was the Mike Tice-Randy ratio. That's what you immediately reminded me of, the idea that if Randy Moss gets the ball 40% of the time, the Vikings win. Well, yeah, in the games, the Vikings are playing better than the other team. Randy Moss ends up with the ball 40% of the time. But if you force it to <laughs> exactly. him, you ain't going to win. You just right, have to go right. play the game, and it's naturally yeah. going to happen. So, yes, you will have a guy who rushes for 100 yards when you are kicking the crap out of the other team. But you just don't give him the ball over and over and over again and say, oh, we're, gonna, we're guaranteed to win the game if we just give the ball to this guy repeatedly. All right, we got to take right. a break. Uh, good stuff, though. Fun draft, and Ryan Fitzpatrick did indeed go to he Harvard. He went to Harvard. More PFT Live. He went to Harvard. More PFT Live coming right after this. Fairly significant development yesterday, the NFL informing all teams that training camps must be held at the club facility, which also includes your home stadium. The Cardinals, for example, practice in their home stadium. That is their facility. The only exception will be if a club can demonstrate to the satisfaction of a joint NFL-NFLPA medical task force that it would not be feasible to conduct training camp at their club facility. But we've seen the momentum push toward opening professional sports, allowing teams to congregate, to practice in their facilities, in all states. It's happening. I don't think we're going to see any of this before training camp. I don't think we're going to see any mini camps or anything like that, Chris. But all teams 
will be training only at their training camp facilities, at their regular practice facilities, I mean, and no joint practices of any kind this year, no teams visiting other teams for practice purposes. Well, I think that's a smart move by the NFL. You know, a lot of these teams go to different colleges and things like that. It's just too many moving parts. Stay in your facility. You got the proper doctors. You got the proper connections to the hospitals in your city and all that. Now, I'll say this, Mike. I think NFL coaches will be disappointed about this. I do. You know, if you're a guy that's got to be an NFL coach and you're in the building every day until January, they love training camp because it splits the process up a little bit. Now it's going to be monotonous a little. You're showing up in the same place Groundhog Day. But after not being in the same place, you're after right. not being in the it's facility, be... you know, my, you, you get the point. We got to go. I get what you're saying, Big day. Mouth. Bye. I got you. <laughs> The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.